0: What is up, one and all, and welcome to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. And goodness gracious, what was already a pretty terrible week in the world of sports for Logan Blackman has just got way worse than what it already was. Good lord, nights out. I am done with this weekend. The weekend, so from here on out, from here on out, from the days October 16th, to October 18th those days are dead to me. If you have a birthday in there, I apologize cuz I will not be saying happy birthday to you in those days because those days to Logan Blackman and those associated to Logan Blackman that share the same thoughts and opinions as Logan Blackman they're dead. October 16th, October I didn't October 17th really didn't do anything to me. October 16th and 18th, but October 17th just just for the sake of patterns here, I've uh, got to go in a stretch here. It's, it's out of our hands, really. Can't really do a lot with, uh, you know, you at the 17th spot. You're kind of just a, what do you want to call that? Innocent bystander, but guilty by association, pretty much, is what you got to look at for October 17th. And I'll tell you why this weekend sucked. And we knew, we talked about this on Monday. We talked about how bad this weekend was on Monday. And you know what? Monday made it even worse. For, the, for that day, Monday was a part of the worst weekend ever, even though it's the start of a week. Ugh, the work week, anyways. And Saturday, just recapping, William Penn lost to Grandview 38-0. Not ideal. Then we go to Iowa-Purdue. Iowa loses 24-7. to And then we go to UNI-South Dakota. You and I, Panthers, lose 34-21. to And then we look at all the bets we made. <coughs> namely, namely, the Florida Gators versus the LSU Tigers. On Sunday, a dude or Monday, I don't remember exactly when this was posted. I took a screenshot of it because it was so funny. This guy tweeted out and said, I'm sorry, Florida, but y'all had no business losing to us. Look at this shit. And it's Derek Stingley, Ricks, Burns, and a few other players just walking around or not even walking around, on freaking scooters because they can't walk, okay? Florida, what the hell was that? I have no association, prior association with the University of Florida, Florida University, whatever the hell they want to call themselves, but man, this is an LSU team that is so one-dimensional that everybody on defense is hurt. You average 500 yards a game on offense and have a pretty decent defense yourself. Everything was set up for Florida to have a great weekend. They're favored by 10 and a half. I get Death Valley is a tough place to play. It's not like you're playing there at night. You're playing there in the middle of the freaking day. There's no... It, it. Not only did Florida lose this game, and I'm sorry for recapping this again, but Florida loses the game. Their extremely one-dimensional LSU Tigers offense, who averaged around 80 yards a game rushing going into this game, Ran for 300-plus with one dude rushing for 280-something yards and three touchdowns. Florida. What the hell was that? And then pass offense wasn't really needed. Al, I said, Henry Jones just doesn't need to turn the ball over and he'll be fine. Combined him and Richardson through four interceptions. Four. Henry Jones got benched, unsurprisingly. If Richardson didn't get hurt against UCF, USF... Richardson would be the starter right now. Man. And he wore those stupid orange uniforms, too. That's what you get for wearing those gosh darn uniforms. The all orange? Really? And it's not even like a cool color orange. It's like a dirty safety cone orange. It's disgusting. And it's all orange. It's almost worse than having an all yellow uniform. You look like freaking bananas out there. Or at worst... Bruised bananas, because that's what you looked like playing against the t- bruised and beat up LSU Tigers. God, I just can't. I gotta stop talking about this. I'm gonna lose. I'm gonna pop a brain cell or something. Pop a gasket. I don't know what's gonna happen to me. I never thought I'd care so much about a game than this about two teams I could give less of a shit about in the grand scheme of things. Now I love myself, it's Matt Ogeron. I love the LSU team when they won the national championship. But good lord, Florida, seriously. Coming off a loss, tough. I was thinking, oh, they're going to get over it. They're going to be motivated. Going to a rivalry game against LSU. Uh, Psych. I don't know when they play Georgia, but Georgia, please, for the love of God, stomp the crap out of this team. For me. Just for me. It doesn't need to be for you or anybody else. Just kick the shit out of them for me. And when do they play? When does Georgia and Florida play? Next weekend. So, you know what? That's very fitting because that's on Halloween or trick or treat day. Florida, you better not show up to the game. You are runaway scared because it's going to be a murder. You throw four interceptions against an injury prone, not injury prone, injury riddled LSU defense. How many are you going to throw against the number one defense in college football? I'm not saying George's offense is going to do anything spectacular but I'm very confident they'll win the game by double digits because that's just what they do. Zamir White runs the ball down people's throats. Stetson Bennett does enough to not lose the game and plays decent enough to get them a decent amount of points so they don't need to just rely so heavily on Zamir White and Co. to get points. I mean, that's what they did against Arkansas, but Arkansas started the, the game with two false start penalties. So what, what do you expect from that game? There was a point where Georgia ran at like 80% of the time. Since so it has been at like four pass attempts at one point. I think he finished with 11. Stupid. God. And unsurprisingly, so you know at the end of the show on Wednesdays, we always reveal the top 10 quarterback prospects for the 2022 NFL Draft on Wednesday. In between the week, following the previous week of college football, I will give you a spoiler. Emory Jones is nowhere to be seen. <laughs> Whether it's on... The actual top ten or in the honorable mentions list or dishonorable mentions or the others list. Whatever the hell you want to call it, call it what you want. But then, after Saturday, Sunday was pretty chill. Hung out with some friends from William Penn. It was pretty cool. And uh, watched some football. Had no stress on Sunday. Going to Monday, feeling relatively confident. I mean, this is a Bills team that had won their past four games by double digits and shut out the Dolphins and the Texans and beat the Chiefs by 18 points at Arrowhead, on Sunday Night Football, giving Patrick Mahomes his biggest loss of his career, going into the Titans game, I'm fairly confident this is a team that lost to the Jets. Okay? The Jets. Let me repeat that. The Jets. <laughs> and I heard something before we get into the game. So, actually, well, the Bills lost. We'll go into that first. I saw something on Twitter. It's from Rich Eisen's show. I don't know who the other guy is that's on his show with him. It's kind of like a Dan and Danette's thing, but it's only two of them. I don't know what his name. is. He's a Patriots fan. He was talking about how the Patriots are so close to being four and two, and that's all fine and dandy. But who the hell cares if you you could have been four and two? You're two and four. And then the his logic behind why the Bills aren't that good—they beat two, they shut out two terrible football teams. The funny thing about that, which is what no one brought up, Rich Eisen was making the point that the Bills were going to win this division by more than two games. This dude's a dire Patriots fan didn't say. Why did Rich not bring this up? This shuts down his entire argument. The Bills shut out two terrible teams. Well, those two terrible teams, one of them beat you, and the other one beat lost you by three. The Bills forced davis Mills to for, throw four interceptions, and he threw three touchdowns against the Patriots. Tua got rocked and hurt and left the game, and the Patriots lost to them week one. And you're really going to tell me, oh, if Tua didn't leave the game, they would have won or been closer. Doubt it. Really doubt it. They just lost the Jaguars with two as the quarterback. So, like, you can make the argument, oh yeah, we were so close to being four and two. Well, yeah, you're not, and he almost lost the Texans. So, null and void your argument. You bring up the point that the Bills beat two t- shut out two terrible teams. One of them beat you. The other one should have beat you. The Bills beat the Dolphins and Texans by a combined score of seventy five to nothing. You want to know what the awesome New England Patriots won these games by? They beat. The Texans 25 22. And they beat, lost the Dolphins 17 16. And he got ass pounded by the Saints in Gillette Stadium. You lost the Bucks in Brady's return game. And he lost the Cowboys. I don't care if you're almost 4 and 2. The Bills, if they got the fourth down conversion last night, would be 5 and 1. If the Bills didn't get a block punch against the Steelers, it'd be 6 and 0. Oh. Who the hell cares? Hypotheticals are stupid. We said that all the freaking time on this show. Stupid. Who cares if you could have been 4-2? You're not. And the two teams you used as an example got obliterated by the Bills. Almost both of them should have beat you. So we'll leave it at that. The Bills, though they lost last night, are head and shoulders above everybody else in the AFC East. By far. You cannot sit there and tell me that the Patriots are close to the Bills by any Stretch the imagination. And he brought up the fact also that the Bills can't stop anybody. Oh, they can't stop anybody anymore. What the hell does that even mean? Because they allowed 34 points to the Titans? What? (laughs) That means they can't stop, but we're going to go off one game. Now they're done. They've lost all Mojo. They're just done now. Okay. Last week, Josh Allen was the MVP favorite the Bills' defense, you're more likely to get a turnover than to score a touchdown on them. And now that they got beat by the Titans, now everything's done. That's a diehard Patriots fan for you. Because we're just in denial that the Bills are going to win this stupid division two years in a row. Not Knock on wood, though, just, just in case. But yeah, the Bills lost this game. They lost this game. They lost 34-31. to 20, 34 to 31. I had a group of of friends come over for the game, which is always a bad idea. I don't remember the last time I had a group of friends over to watch a game where my team won. I don't remember the last time I did that. Because being from Central Iowa, there aren't a lot of Bills fans around here. There are, like, Bills backers-wise, we go to the keg stand to watch games. But as regards to my friends, like the people I went to high school with, I know nobody else that's a Bills fan. That's my age. I mean, my sister's a Bills fan. Her boyfriend's now a Bills fan, I guess. But other than that, okay, I know one person from high school that was a Bills fan. We'd sometimes talk about the Buffalo Bills together. Didn't talk a lot, but when we did, it'd be about the Buffalo Bills. So I know one. He was not over last night. My friends that were over last night were a Chiefs fan, two Vikings fans, a Packers fan, and a Bears fan, and then my dad. And the Chiefs fan went to the Iowa game on Saturday And lo and behold, he's a Cyclone fan, and Iowa just happens to lose to Purdue. Coincidence? I think not. He comes over last night to watch the Bills-Titans game. He has a parlay going, so he needs the Bills to win. He had every game covered. The Bills just need to beat the Titans by six. So at points, he was cheering louder than me and my dad were. Now, everybody there was cheering for the Bills, because I think most people that watch the NFL, apart from the fans of the Titans, despise the Tennessee Titans. Just a bunch of asshats, pretty much. I don't think anybody likes him. Does anybody actually like Mike Vrabel? Anybody? Apart from family and his friends. Outside of that, does anybody actually like him as a coach? I'm not saying he's a bad coach. I just don't like him. I don't like anybody on the Titans. I I respect players on the Titans. like I respect Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones. Don't really respect a lot of people on that defense. They piss me the hell off all the time. And people are talking about after this game, like, did Derrick Henry just dip, take Josh Allen of the MVP race? What? Josh Allen last night threw for almost 400 yards, or over 350, I guess, and three touchdowns. Went 35 of 47. What? Did he take him out of the MVP race because he lost? How reactionary are we after this game? The Bills lost this game, and now we're talking about Josh Allen's no longer an MVP candidate. The Patriots are very close to being as good as the Bills. What? Where the hell did all this come from? Last week, after they just ass-pounded the Chiefs and Arrowhead. They were talking about this is the best team in the NFL. Now they lost the Titans. Now it's over. It's still the same team. They still got an interception last night against the Titans. If you look at their pass defense, you look at what the quarterbacks have done this season. Tannehill, statistically, if we're just talking about completion percentage, had the best game, 62%. Every other quarterback, no one's thrown for over 300 yards. Mahomes had the most yards of 272. They have had five touchdowns against them passing, and they have 10 interceptions. Other than the first game of the season, they've had an interception in every single game. They had one against the Dolphins, two against the Washington football team, four against Davis Mills, you know, the guy with the three touchdowns that almost beat the Patriots, but they're really close to the Bills. Two by Patrick Mahomes and one last week, or last night against Ryan Ryan Tannehill. And the the game itself, I mean, there's not really a lot to get upset about. It was a close game. They had the most lead changes in, a, in a Monday Night Football history. I mean, if I was going to get, like, it was going to be nit- nitpicky, go and watch Derrick Henry's 80-something yard touchdown or 76-yard touchdown run, there's a clear hold on Jordan Poyer who was right next to Derrick Henry. And every time they replayed it, the holding looked worse and worse. So if we want to be nitpicky, there's one I would definitely do. But there's really not anything to be upset about. I mean, do I agree with going on fourth the goal? Yes, 100%. I would have gone for it as well. I was surprised that they did it because Sean McDermott's the head coach, defensive-minded head coach. He's always, at least early in his Buffalo Bills career, was a conservative head coach trying to go for field goals. I remember on my birthday against the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland, Ohio. Instead of trying to go for the win on the last drive of the game, the Bills played with the field goal and lost. Steven Hauschka missed the field goal that would send the game to overtime. The Bills lost. That was the year they went 10-6 and lost to the Texans in the first round of the playoffs. Now, they have one of the best offenses in the NFL. They have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and they trust him, and I trust him 100% of the time as well. 10 out of 10 times, we trust Josh Allen. Behind Josh Allen 100%. Almost got the first down. Jumping in the air, typical Josh Allen stuff. Controlled chaos, I guess we could say. Button mashing is what other people have said. And he was short. Now, I thought he was short when he first jumped, and then they marked him past the first down marker, and then they radioed down to the ref and said actually he was short. So it just like, he wasn't in the first down, and then now he's not. Which he wasn't. He didn't get a first down. And then the play call at the end, there's two things that ran through my mind with that. When I watched it live, my thought process was, why did they call that play? And then my second thought process, after, which was today, was, that was Josh Allen's call to do the quarterback sneak. Before last night, they had, well, I, I could be wrong because I saw a couple of these, but and according to ESPN last night, Josh Allen was 13-14 of 14 on fourth down conversions. The one of them was a botched snap. This was the only one that he actually attempted that failed. If we want to be like that cuz you didn't he fumbled the snap so it didn't end up working. But this one he actually attempted. When the play started off, I don't know if that was the intent, but it happened. And if I'm Josh, who is a we're all creatures of habit. We all like to do things, we get in a routine, we start doing it, we know it works. You're 13 or 14 on fourth down conversions and your all of your quarterback sneaks like it's not just most of them, all of them are to the left. Every single one of Josh Allen's quarterback sneaks is to the left, and the Titans knew this. And if you look at the overhead shot of the game of that play, they stacked the Bills' left side of the O line, and there was a hole to the right. Now this, I'm gonna again say this is a he's ha, he's made it a habit of going to the left. It's worked. I mean, 13 out of 14 times it's worked. So why change it? But the Titans stacked that side. Another thing that I was concerned about about that attempt in hindsight, John Feliciano was coming off an elbow injury. I'm pretty sure he injured his elbow last week, and he's the starting left guard for the Buffalo Bills. With that in mind, along with Jeffrey Simmons being on that side, one of the better defensive linemen for the Titans, why would you go to that side? I get it's a habit. You do it all the time, it works all the time. But there were more holes on the right side of the O-line with a healthy Spencer Brown and a healthy Daryl Williams. Why would we not go to that side? I don't know. And another thing to take into consideration, I'm not saying this would have changed the play, because I don't know, but he did slip. So if Josh Allen has his footing, does he get the first down? I would like to think so as a Bills fan, but there were players there. Now, out of all of this, I think the main reason... That this play did not work, At all the things we've said, I think the main reason is because Taylor Lewan was not in the game. I think because if Taylor Lewan didn't get hurt, I think Bills get that fairly easily. At least that's according to Chris Broussard, who gets paid to go on TV and make be an expert. This is why we created the draft expert with the quotation marks. And every time I consider myself an expert, it's always got quotation marks around it. Why the, have you ever watched a Bills or Titans game? I watched this on Twitter about 500 times today, and I can't actually believe what was going on. And does anybody, okay, before we get into the whole thing about this, does anybody actually respect Chris Boussard's opinions on anything? Remember the whole DeAndre Jordan thing with the Mavericks where Mark Cuban was driving around Dallas looking for DeAndre Jordan and that wasn't true? This, he also said that there is a 0% chance that Kawhi Leonard goes to the Clippers. And he goes to the Lakers. 0% or he goes to the Clippers. Not, he said he was going to the Lakers. Dude. Why did you open your mouth about it? And the conviction behind it made it that much sadder and funnier. Because, dude, have you ever watched either one of these teams play? Because he said, if Taylor the wants, not in the game... I wish I had the, the soundbite, but he gets all high-pitched and everything about it, too. Like, he's dead with this thing. He's like, I am right. I'm going to show conviction. The only reason the Titans won because the Bills were missing injured left tackle Taylor Lewan, <laughs> And he goes, if Taylor one's not in their pro bowl starting left tackle is not in the game. The Bills wake that. And they have Dawkins or whatever his name is at left tackle. Now, I would understand this to a certain extent, now I'm going to, tr- I'm trying, I'm trying very hard to play devil's advocate here for the sake of Chris Broussard. If this was a rookie, I would kind of understand. Like if, well, I I, I don't even know what point I'm trying to help him out with. <laughs> I'm trying, I can't. Taylor one has been the Titans starting left tackle for like seven, eight years. Deion Dawkins has been the starting Bills left tackle for like four to five years. Like, Deion Dawkins has been the Bills' starting left tackle, and I'm not saying he's amazing or anything, but he is one of the better left tackles in the NFL. I'm not saying he's all pro or pro bowl or any of that. I think he's one of the better off-the-linemen or tackles in the NFL. Taylor Lewan, yeah, is better, but has never played a snap for the Buffalo Bills. Never once has he played a snap for the Buffalo Bills. And he did get hurt last night. I haven't seen what the injury was. I mean, we can all make our guesses. It's somewhere with the head and neck area because his head or neck crunched on a goal line play for the Titans, and he left the game on a stretcher but stuck his thumb in the air. Hopefully he gets back to the field soon, and we don't have another Ryan Shazier incident where we lose a great career for a guy. Now, I'm not the biggest fan of Taylor LeJuan, but I don't, want him to, I don't want players to get their careers to be ruined by an injury. That's not what anybody wants. But how do you go on national television? And I've made fun of First Things First like a thousand times. I think it's the worst talk show in sports. Nick Wright is a dumbass. We've already established that. And then they have people like Chris Broussard coming on the show. Like, do, do they just send the dumbest people to First Things First? I think that's what they do. Because even when Chris Carter was on it, his takes were horrific as well. Like, why, why are you talking about the game? You obviously didn't watch the game. And also, you've never watched a single Buffalo Bills or Tennessee Titans game over the last five to eight years. Because that's where you'd see Deion Dawkins starting every game for the Buffalo Bills at left tackle, and Taylor Lewan starting every game at left tackle for the Titans. And yet this was allowed to be broadcast on national television, and the reason the Bills lost this game is because Taylor Lewan got hurt. Why (laughs) are you allowed to talk? Man. Now if Taylor Lewan was in for the Bills, would that have changed anything? I don't know. I think the main cog in that was young's elbow injury and Josh slipping. And the Titans won the game. And I I'm not saying there's any excuses for this game. It was a great game, very fun game to watch. I was confident going into this game. I saw something that earlier in the week that said the Bills were the healthiest team in the NFL. The Titans were the least healthiest team in the NFL. And the Titans kept getting hurt last night. Their secondary kept dropping like frickin' flies. So I was very confident going into this game. I was confident at halftime, even though they are up 20-17. to, 30, 20 to 17. I think after that Derrick Henry run, the defense kind of sat back a little bit, which is not great. Do I, am I worried about the Bills after this game? Not at all. The goal in this season, did anybody predict the Bills to go undefeated this season? Did anybody? Because I didn't. Were there any Bills fans or anybody in the national media or just regular people that chose the Bills to go undefeated? No. And before the season started, this was a game where you would go, okay, yeah, this this is a good team. Bills got killed by them last year in Tennessee. This is a game that I could see the Bills losing. I had them losing this game. I had them at this point going four and two, but I had them losing the Chiefs, not the Steelers. <laughs> but like this is what I thought they'd be at this point. Am I surprised they're four and two? No, because again, that's why I said at the start. But had the season's gone on, am I surprised they lost this game? Yes. There's two mindsets here: my preseason mind and my right now mind. That thought the Bills at this point should be six and zero, let alone five and one, and then let alone four and two. And the Bills had had relative success against Derrick Henry over the past three or so years. And (laughs) apart from the Josh Norman thing, the Bills have been one of the better teams against him in general. And then he breaks off a 76 yard run and opens the game and scores three touchdowns. And then the Titans just hit a shit ton of crossing routes, like a disgusting amount of crossing routes to A.J. Brown in the second half, who did not, I don't think he had a single catch or target in the first half. And then he explodes in the second half for 91 yards. And there were some misplays the Bills had in this game. Yeah, there's misplays in every game. But man, Josh Allen is one of the more clutch quarterbacks in the NFL. I can't remember the exact statistic, at least for the past few years. Ever since he's been in the league, he has like the second or the most comeback dri- comeback game-winning drives or comeback drives in the NFL in that time span. Like, he is a very clutch quarterback. And I think the Bills were going to win if they got that, which was kind of obvious. I don't like the play, but I like them going for two. The same, They can be said together. I don't like that they – I like – well, quarterback sneaks in general for Josh Allen, I like not when the game's on the line. I like general fourth down, fourth and one, quarterback sneaks – I'm fine with that, but with 14 seconds left or however much time was left in the game at that time, I wasn't a fan of it. Like, you ran these plays earlier in the game and that was the first time you had it. Now that it was the first opportunity, you did it, sure. But I would have tried, like, crossing routes or something, roll Josh Allen out, give him the option to run it in or not. Like, he's 6'5", 240 pounds. You expect him to get one inch. He didn't. He slipped. Whatever. We move on. Games will happen like this. You'll have situations that don't go your way. And like I just said, no one expected this team to go undefeated at the start of the season. No one. So why are we writing them off now that they've lost their second game of the season? Now, should they have lost the first game? If you look at how bad the Steelers have been, even though they've won, I think, three straight or two straight at least. No, they shouldn't have lost them. They're a way better team than the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think if they played again, they would have been a victim like the Dolphins football team, the Texans and the Chiefs. I think it would have been just like that except they would have scored a lot less points <laughs> unless Najee Harris just opened up because Najee Harris is playing like a freaking baller right now. But with the Bills, there's a lot of teams this week. Maybe not a lot of teams, but teams that I have on my fantasy roster that are on buys this week. So that makes things rather stressful for years truly. Rather stressful. You look at the teams that have buy weeks. Bills, Cowboys, Vikings, Steelers, Chargers, and Jaguars all have buys. If you look at my Washington Foreskins team, I'm in two, well, I guess three, but pay attention to two. There's one league that my friend Brady, who's the Chiefs cycling fan that went to the Hawkeyes and watched the Bills game last night, you know, the guy that jinxed both of them, he made a league last year, and we were together, just me, him and one of our other friends, Noah, and he was like, yeah, we're going to start the draft. It started at like 6 o'clock in the morning on Saturday. No one drafted, so it was all just God chose your team, pretty much. But in these two leagues, I have... Justin Herbert on a buy, and Najee Harris on a buy. And then I also got Jared Cook and Zach Moss on a buy. Zach Moss didn't do anything last night, but generally, he's a pretty good touchdown option, generally. And then for my other league, this one's just all buys. I don't have a backup tight end. Dawson Knox getting hurt doesn't help me anything, doesn't help me at all, but him also being on a buy doesn't help me at all either. So you got Zach Moss on buy, Dawson Knox on by. buy, Mike Williams on a buy, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Najee Harris, Dalvin Cook all on buys. I have one player on my bench that's not in a buy, and it's Corey Davis, but I can't play him because I need a tight end, (laughs) and I'm not dropping any of my other players there. Who would you drop out of those guys? I mean, you'd probably say Moss if you had to choose one, but I'm dropping Corey Davis. I'm trying to pick up some tight ends. And then my my starting lineup's not terrible, but I'm not confident in it at all. Not confident in Chase Edmonds is my running one of my running backs or Miles Sanders. So I'm kind of scared and kind of s- crap my pants here. And the other one, my backup quarterback, who won't be backup quarterback tomorrow. <laughs> By the time this shows come out, he will not be my backup quarterback. It's Daniel Jones. <laughs> he has had back to back four point games. He is not going to be my starter as they're playing the Carolina Panthers who have one of the better defenses in the NFL. I'm not starting Daniel Jones this week at all. I need to find another running back because so I ain't starting Naheem Hines either. Now Naheem Hines could be really good for me this game, but uh, yeah, I'm just not. Something about it is not being, I'm not very confident about it. <laughs> I'm very nervous. Very nervous. But, yeah, I need some more running. It doesn't help that Clyde edwards uh hyperextended his knee, so that doesn't help, or whatever Whatever he did. He got hurt against the Bills. Don't know what happened. I know I know what happened. I mean, I watched the game. I watched the injury. He fell back. His knee got hyperextended. He fell backwards on his leg, and his knee just kept going. His body kept going. His knee stayed in one place. And it was like his calf was touching the his hamstring. That's not a very good <laughs> – it's not where you really – I mean, he can do that barely but like okay his heel was touching his ass okay is that better i mean you can do that too but laying down that's not the most comfortable thing especially with five or six 250 to 300 pound plus people jumping on top of you things happen and he's out so that's not ideal so we are struggling for players right now so like we said the week the worst week in sports ever keeps on giving. Just keeps on giving. Now, what would make it better? By a lot. I have no real affiliations with this whatsoever. But I would love to see a Braves and Red Sox World Series. Why? Because screw the Dodgers and screw the Astros. <laughs> no, it's mostly because Jock Peterson's on the Braves. Kyle Schwarber's on the Red Sox. Former Cubs players. Do they have any other former Cubs players on either team? I guess Cole Hamels is technically on the Dodgers, but has he played this year for the Dodgers? Are there any of them on the Astros? I mean, I do have a soft spot in my heart for the Astros because they were the team that always kept the Cubs out of last place when they were the NL Central. But that since they win the AL, they kind of suck ass, and I don't really like them anymore. I don't really care for the Red Sox either or the Braves, but that's the World Series I want to see. And right now the Braves are up 5-2, and... Uh, be pretty nice. Pretty nice. Go up 3 games to nothing. Be pretty chill. Red Sox are currently leading the Astro series 3-2 to 1. It's best of 7 now, not best of 5 like the last series. So you got to win one more game. If the Braves could sweep the Dodgers, that'd be pretty freaking sweet. I'd be all over that. <laughs> and the Cubs are sitting at home watching it like I am. So yeah, that's fun. And speaking of the Chicago and the Cubs, uh the Bulls play tomorrow, so that'll be fun. I'll be tuning in the Chicago Bulls basketball. The Chicago Sky won the WNBA championships. So congratulations to them. Brought it home. Candace Parker brought the title to Chicago. I like the the whole she brought it home. I mean, I totally understand. She's from the Chicagoland area. She's from Naperville. <laughs> At least that's what Wikipedia says. She went to Naperville Central. That ain't Chicago. My cousins live in Naperville. But they went to Naperville North because they're cool. But, uh, yeah. That's what we're looking at right now. It's been a rough week. I hope my fantasy team doesn't get too badly hurt this weekend in both leagues. I mean, I'm unsurprisingly not favored to win one of the leagues. Well, mostly because of the fact I don't have a quarterback or a starting running back in there with Jonathan Taylor. It's been freaking awesome the past two weeks, like 30-point games. Past two weeks? Come on! It's awesome. And the other league, I'm projected 90 and I don't know what the other person projected. 77 but he doesn't have a quarterback or a running back in either because his quarterback and running back tandem is Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler. Not ideal for him. for me, very ideal. <laughs> but speaking of like Justin Herbert, talk about Josh Allen a little bit this game this show, we have to talk a little bit about the MVP race in the NFL because it's going to get we're almost halfway through the season because there now there's 17 weeks in the year or in the season, so we got to wait a few more weeks, but it's going to keep getting hotter and hotter in the MVP race, and I think there's some big candidates in here. Like, you've got Derrick Henry should be mentioned as one. Kyler Murray will be mentioned as one. Dak Prescott, arguably, should be mentioned as an MVP candidate with how good the Cowboys are this year as opposed to last year. Josh Allen is obviously an MVP candidate, and Lamar Jackson is back in there as well. And what did we talk about preseason? What was all we talked about in regards to Lamar Jackson preseason? What, what did we talk about? Everything we said about Lamar Jackson was that they need to start changing things up a little bit because they're running the exact same plays that they ran last year, or the season he won the MVP originally, not changing anything up. Same formation, same set, same everything. And he got to get more depth at wide receiver. They had the worst receiving core in the NFL last year. So what did they do? They started changing up plays a little bit more. And you saw the addition of Sammy Watkins, Rashad Bateman, and Tylen Wallace—great additions for the Baltimore Ravens. And Lamar Jackson looks like MVP, Lamar Jackson, right now. In the in the top in the passing leaders right now, Lamar ranks ninth. Now he has five interceptions—the most interceptions apart from Patrick Mahomes, who has eight. Remember, he has less more one less interception than Zach Wilson. Remember that, who sucks apparently. And uh yeah, Lamar will be mentioned up there again. I remember last year I was talking about he, he was bad, even though he had a second straight thousand yard season rushing, and they won a playoff game. But he stinks. I never understood that. It confused the hell out of me. And then watching the Chargers Ravens game, they had this conversation on uh, PTI. My dad was watching in his office. I walked in, they started talking about it. Who'd you rather have, Justin Herbert or Lamar Jackson? And if You're talking about this year? Definitely say Lamar Jackson. If you're talking long-term, then it gets a little more difficult. Who would you rather have between Herbert or Lamar? I don't know. They offer two completely different things. Justin Herbert's a bigger quarterback with a stronger arm. And that's not saying Lamar Jackson has a weak arm whatsoever. Everybody's known he's had a pretty strong arm. Not like Michael Vick's strong if we're talking about mobile quarterbacks, but strong strong enough. Let's put it like that. But Lamar Jackson's also a lot more mobile than Justin Herbert. So it's all about... What you really want. Who do you think will be the better quarterback career-wise? Who knows? I like both of them. And I'm not going to I'm not gonna say which one I take over which one because I like both of them quite a bit. All I'll say is on the matter is I'll take Josh Allen over both of them, okay? And I think Josh Allen this year is the MVP. I think Kyler Murray has a shot at it because the Cardinals are still the only undefeated team in the NFL. And out of the top 10 passes in the NFL, he averages the most yards per attempt at 8.9. And he has 14 touchdowns and four picks. Now I think three of those came against the Vikings. He tried to lose the game against the Vikings, and they killed the Browns last week. But like I saw this a little bit ago, It was like, imagine taking Baker Mayfield over Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, like willingly doing that. And I, I will not, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of Baker Mayfield. I like Baker, but when people start talking about I'm mostly Browns fans talking about amazing, is we talked about this last year. Or earlier this year, I guess, where people were like, Browns fans are saying, I wouldn't trade any quarterback in the NFL for Baker Mayfield. And that's more of the romanticism things in regards to sports because he ended your playoff drought. He got you a playoff win. But if you, re- you wouldn't really, this is when Deshaun Watson was getting talked about, traded. You wouldn't take Deshaun Watson over Baker Mayfield? What? You wouldn't take Josh Allen over Baker Mayfield? Now, Baker Mayfield's tough as hell. He tore his shoulder up a few weeks ago, and he did something bad to it again and kept playing. You may not like him that much as a player, but that dude is a tough SOB. Really tough SOB. And also in that draft class was Sam Darnold. And Sam Darnold's not looked great recently. But the thing I want to talk about Sam Darnold is last week, I wanted to talk about this last week. We never got actually around to it. But it was Robert Sala... The Jets head coach talking about Zach Wilson and comparing him to Josh Allen. I want to see if I can find the exact quote. I don't I doubt I can, but it was basically along the lines of you see what the Bills did with Josh Allen, like he see his first few numbers, and him and Zach Wilson have similar numbers and stuff like that. Uh we'll take time to develop Zach, everything will be fine. It's funny that you just traded the quarterback that you took before Josh Allen. And now we're comparing the current quarterback you have to the guy that you didn't take <laughs> a few years prior. That's good Jets logic right there. i love to see it. But comparing Zach Wilson to Josh Allen, I think if we're looking at skill set, I mean Josh is obviously bigger than Zach Wilson. I'm not saying Zach Wilson is that small because he's not. I think his height concern is kind of overplayed. He's not short. I don't know where that came from, like he's 5'10 or 5'11, like Baker Mayfield, Johnny Manziel, Russell Wilson, or whatever. He's not like that. He's 6'2, 6'3. He might look smaller, but he's not a small dude. He's not Josh Allen. He's not 6'5, 240 pounds or whatever. He's like 6'3, probably 210 or 215. But Zach Wilson has all the skills to be a very good quarterback in the NFL. A very good quarterback in the NFL. And watching him this year, he gets... His shit rocked almost every single time he drops back to pass. Almost every time. 18 sacks this year. And the crazy part about this is, every other quarterback that is around him in the top 10, just looking at the top 10 quarterbacks in sacks right now, the other quarterbacks include Ryan Tannehill, Baker Mayfield, Justin Fields, Derek Carr, Teddy Bridgewater, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Jared Goff, and Carson Wentz. You know what's crazy about that? All of those quarterbacks have played six games. Zach Wilson has played only five and is at 18. <laughs> that is crazy. He's played five games. eight. He has been sacked 18 times. But if you look at his numbers outside of like interceptions, which he has nine, which again is one more than Patrick Mahomes, so let's chill out on that a little bit. But in one less game, so I guess you could hold that in there as well. Thought, 1100 yards pretty good 57 percent of completion percentage not ideal but for a rookie this year it's not bad i mean it's not great but it's not, it's not terrible i think he'll be fine zach wilson will be fine like i got I, when i was hanging out on sunday this got brought up because someone was saying zach wilson was terrible it was Dan, the guy. We had Dan on the Logan Blackman show a few months ago with Zach. And he was talking about Zach Wilson sucks. Zach Wilson st- is all this. He's terrible. And I, he brought Josh Allen just like that. I was like, well, the Bills got draft Josh Allen. They were good. No, they went 6-10. and, 10. and then, Well, did the Jets go 6-10? and 10? Probably not. But what also happened from Josh Allen's rookie year to his second year, the Bills upgraded their offense at every single position. They got a whole new off to line. We've talked about that a hundred times in this show. They had Deion Dawkins there. They got John Feliciano. They got Mitch Morse, who at the time was the highest paid center in the NFL. They just drafted Cody Ford. And they had, uh, crap, who was their right tackle? So I don't know if Darrell Williams was there at that time. I forget who their right tackle was. But they upgraded that as well. Got rid of Charles Clay. Drafted Dawson Knox. Got rid of Kelvin Benjamin, Zay Jones, Robert Foster who were the main guys for the Bills, and brought in John Brown and Cole Beasley. And then Shady McCoy left. They drafted Devin Singletary. Like, they upgraded every single position on that offense the year after his rookie year. So to say the Bills were only good because of Josh Allen at that point isn't really saying that's, that's not true. The Bills were a playoff team the year before. They went 9-7, and seven, then went 6-10. and 10. Defense was still really good, even though they were getting blown out. And Josh got hurt in that six-win season as well. Didn't play for half the season. He got hurt against the Texans. We saw Nathan Peterman, Derek Anderson, and Matt Barkley all take snaps. Derek Anderson starred Monday Night Football against the Patriots, which is depressing. But the Jets are not going to be good. We said this season they go 5-12. and That was my prediction. I don't even think that will happen. If you look at the rest of the Jets' schedule this season, i got to go back to Zach Wilson real quick. And then we got to click on the Jets. Like They're playing the Patriots this week. Are they going to win? Probably not. They're in Gillette Stadium. But you look at the Bengals, probably not going to win that. Colts, Bills, Dolphins, Texans, Eagles, Saints, Dolphins, Jaguars, Bucks, and Bills. As the season progresses, they will play easier opponents. You look at some of the teams they played this year. The Panthers, the Patriots, and the Broncos. Broncos have a good defense. Patriots made a lot of additions to the defense this year. Panthers have a really nice defense this year. Falcons, okay, not great. And they beat the Titans, who had the worst defense out of all of these people. So, they'll start figuring it out. There's a new head coach, new offensive coordinator. Need to get some more weapons on the, or get some people on the O-line. You brought in Corey Davis. You drafted Elijah Moore. Need to get the run game going a little bit. Makai Becton is starting left tackle. Dislocating his kneecap is not helping him by any stretch of the imagination. So improve the O-line, and Zach Wilson will start to flourish. At least that's what I think will happen. I think Zach Wilson's got too many skills in his locker to be considered a bust. And I hate when people call quarterbacks busts. It's mainly quarterbacks. Busts in their first year? That's You can't say that. That is impossible. And we've never called anybody a bust, ever, on the Logan Blackman Show. Because I remember when Daniel Jones got drafted by the Giants— Everybody was calling him a bust. Josh Allen, when he got drafted, everybody was calling him a bust before he even played a single snap in the NFL. And he's a bust before he even played. You can't do that. You can't can't say he's a bust before he's even played. Like, you watch Justin Fields. Can you really tell me that Justin Fields, at this point in time, has played better than Zach Wilson, apart from not throwing as many interceptions? He's thrown less passes and has, like, a four-point completion percentage difference. And I love Justin Fields. I don't like Matt Nagy whatsoever, but I love Justin Fields. Has he been great this year? Not really. The Bears O line also stinks. So you want to bring up the Sacks thing? We talked about bad the Bears O line was at the start of the season. Like, give these rookies time. This hasn't been a great year for the rookie quarterbacks because you're on some very bad teams. The Jets, the Jaguars. Bears are bad football teams. The best rookie quarterback out of this class so far has been Mac Jones because he's on a team that improved a lot. And if you look at Trey Lance, he's got a quarterback to learn from, and Jimmy Garoppolo. So that's good. Zach Wilson had – who was their other quarterback? James Morgan? James White? Like they had some – No, nobody on the Jets this season, apart from Jamison Crowder as a wide receiver, had thrown a pass in the NFL. Trevor Lawrence had C.J. Bethard, so a good teacher right there. And Mac Jones has Brian Hoyer. But all of them are thrust into week one starting spots, and I don't know if they were really ready for that. I think Mac Jones was probably the most ready for it, but Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson were going to get killed early, but now they both got wins. They know they can win in the NFL. And they beat two playoff teams from the season before. The Dolphins, in the Titans, two playoff teams. So am I going to bash Zach Wilson and the other rookie quarterbacks this early? No. We're not even halfway through the season yet. And Patrick Mahomes, the great god of the NFL, has eight interceptions this season. And it's just a statistic metric because you're going to tell me Patrick Mahomes hasn't been that bad this year, a lot of drops. Well, I could say the same thing about Zach Wilson. Now, the Patriots game was not great. They're four interceptions against the Patriots. Not ideal. So we'll see how they do the rest of the season. But at this point, Mac Jones is the best out of the rookie quarterbacks. But we have said, and I stick by this, maybe you could argue the Cowboys game for the Patriots. I still think Zach Wilson's game against the Titans was the best game we saw out of the rookie quarterbacks this season. I think that if you look at all the rookie quarterbacks, what they did in these games where they won, that one was the best one against the Titans. He looked really good in the second half. Just improve these O-lines. Jaguars, Jets, Bears. They need to improve their O-lines, otherwise these guys are going to die. Now, in only one of those cases do I like the head coach. (laughs) I only like Robert Sala. Urban Meyer and uh, Matt Nagy can F off. I don't care. (laughs) Get somebody else in there to nurture these quarterbacks. I saw something on Twitter. It was like, last week, how can you not cheer for this man? It was Matt Nagy giving a speech. Anybody can sound motivational for five seconds, and that's what Matt Nagy does. He just sucks as a coach. And he blamed Trubisky for everything. And then now only after Trubisky's gone, oh, maybe Matt Nagy was the issue, and we were calling Trubisky a huge bust, even though he'd been to two playoff games in four years. Oh, man, he sucks. He's ass. No, at this point, Trubisky's still the second-best quarterback in the AFC East. And he hasn't. He's played three games all in garbage time, and he's still the third, second-best quarterback in this division. Now, it's not going to last. I mean, obviously, Zach Wilson and Mac Jones and Tua should pass him at some point. But yeah, do I like the comparison of him and Josh Allen in regards to their stats? Not really, because I think Zach Wilson is working with more than what Josh Allen was his rookie year, because the Bills were projected to win two games his rookie year, Josh Allen's rookie year. They were projected to easily have the number one overall pick, and then they won six games because Josh came back looked really really good they won six games after losing multiple games by 40 points or 30 points whatever you want to call it i think josh allen also in his rookie year showed flashes when in the run game as well i think zach wilson's a lot more uh what do you want to call it at this point he's more of a mature passer than josh allen i will give him that even though he has a little bit more lapses in judgment i think josh allen was just all crazy I think Zach Wilson, you can control a little bit more than rookie Josh Allen. But look what Josh Allen is now. Josh Allen, in my opinion, is the best quarterback in the NFL right now. Now, it's extremely biased, and I'm perfectly fine saying that, but I would take Josh Allen over any quarterback in the NFL. Like Sean McDermott said, I would take Josh Allen 10 times out of 10. I love that dude. And yeah, he didn't get the fourth down conversion against the Titans. I'm still going to take Josh Allen 10 Times out of ten, man. And also, I I, I, saw, I saw this earlier. The attendance at the game last night was sixty nine thousand four hundred nineteen. Yo, close. We were to having a perfect game. And I saw someone on Twitter said, "Uh, don't tell, don't you ever tell me that one person can't make a difference. <laughs> if one more person went to that game, sixty nine four twenty. You were this close to perfection." We were this close. And the guy that would just come into the game, I wish they would announce that at some point earlier so a guy could go, hey, 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 let me in, let me in, let me in. And then the the security guards letting people in the game have to choose which person is lucky enough to be that lucky 69-420 guy. That's what we wanted. And we did not get it. That was a little unfortunate. It was a little, little. (laughs) We almost had perfection. And it was taken away from us. They did show before the game, though, that it was 58% Bills fans of that stadium, at least according to SeatGeek, so that was pretty freaking cool. Unsurprising, but pretty cool, because Bills fans always travel really well and travel extremely well to Nashville. For, for some odd reason, they travel extremely well to Nashville. And before we get into the quarterback prospect rankings, this is the last thing I want to talk about, because I I, want, I thought about tweeting it, but I didn't, I didn't end up doing it. Sunday Night Football... An NBC tweeted, name the player that made you fall in love with football. And if you know me, I've talked about this before, it's Ladanian Tomlinson. Ladanian Tomlinson is my favorite football player of all time. With what he would do on the football field, just made no sense at times. His 2006 MVP season, until we added 17 games, would have been one of the, well, it still be, will, will be one of the greatest seasons ever. But his 31 touchdowns this season, 28 rushing touchdowns. I don't know even it might get touched. It's more of a chance to get touched now than it was when he had 16 games, but man, 28 rushing touchdowns, 31 total touchdowns. That is insane. 14 and 2 for the Chargers. Rookie Phil, or not rookie, first-year starter Philip Rivers is three year, two or three years in the NFL at that point. 14 and 2 all on the back of Ladanian Tomlinson. And then as he gradually went down, it still didn't matter. His legacy was cemented, and he's one of the greatest running backs of all time. And I get kind of frustrated when I don't hear his name get talked about more. I think it's because the Chargers weren't on TV that often. Especially where we are in Central Iowa. Maybe my social media feed's just not filled up with that. But they didn't play a lot of Sunday night football games. They didn't play a lot of primetime games. They played at 3 o'clock almost every weekend. And... You would be lucky to catch him if you were in Central Iowa, but his name needs to get talked about more. I think he's one of the more underappreciated legends in the NFL. First ballot All of Hamer, but I don't think he gets talked about enough. And if I was talking about like college as a little kid, I'd say Drew Tate was the guy that made me fall in love with football. He was Iowa's quarterback when I was a kid. And if you're any, if you're an Iowa kid that grew up an Iowa fan that was a fan of the Iowa Hawkeyes, or if we're conscious enough to realize to know what was going on and you're within the ages of 25 and 20 your favorite player is probably Drew Tate at <laughs> all time now Ricky Stanzi is another popular answer in that as well if you're a little bit older Brad Banks, I mean second place in the Heisman he won every trophy apart from the Heisman which I think is kind of weird how he didn't win the Heisman in that case but Drew Tate was my favorite college player of all time It made me fall in love with football at college level and then at LaDainian Thompson the pro level I always will have a soft spot for the San Diego Chargers. And yes, I said San Diego Chargers. So I will always cheer for the Chargers when they're playing, unless they're playing the Buffalo Bills. So with that being said, let's get into some Week 7 Quarterback Prospect Rankings. And before we get into the list, I'm not going to give the reasons why right now. We'll talk about that at the end. Well, no, we'll do it right now. We'll do it right now. So not in this list. I guess one of them's in the other section, we already said Emery Jones is not in this list, but JT Daniels is also not even mentioned on here. And then Spencer Rattler's in the other section. Just a little precursor. Spencer Rattler is not starting at Oklahoma unless Caleb Williams gets hurt. Caleb Williams is that dude. And after watching him against TCU this weekend and after the watch of the comeback against Texas the week before, that job's Caleb Williams' job. And Spencer Rattler, the only place he'll be playing that isn't Oklahoma is next year is at a different college because he ain't playing for Oklahoma unless Caleb Williams gets hurt. That's how good Caleb Williams is. And Spencer Rattler, from everything that I can tell, it's not the most likable character in the world. You see all the videos from him in high school. I don't know if that's another reason why they booed him against, uh, was it West Virginia when he first got booed? But Caleb Williams comes in leads a 25-point comeback Beats Texas in Dallas and then beats TCU fairly easily the week after. Defense didn't stop anybody. Be outscored them and you covered, so that's fine. I don't know where Spencer Rattler play. That's the issue. I don't. I have no idea where he'll play. Where? When was he recruited? So let's do this. Let's go to player rankings on now. This is ESPN. I know ESPN is not like the most accurate source for recruiting stuff. I know like probably twenty four seven sports is probably a little bit better. Recruiting stuff, but I'm not. I don't follow recruiting that closely. I don't. I probably should. have <laughs> as much as I follow the NFL draft, I don't follow recruiting that. And it's not even loading. They were just screwed here. But I, I really don't know where he go. He's from Arizona. I think he played high school in California. I could be completely wrong about that. Or he played high school in Arizona. I think he's from Arizona. That's all I can know. Will he replace Jaden Daniels at Arizona State? Would he transfer to Miami? Because that seems to be a hotbed for transfers right now. I mean, Tate Martell transferred there. Then you had Derek King transfer. and had Nikozi Perry transfer out. Their other quarterback, Williams, transferred out of there as well. Like, they just move in and out of quarterbacks every single year. Now, would he transfer to Texas? Would he be that petty to transfer to Texas? Would he be able to beat out Casey Thompson? I don't know. Where would he transfer? Would he transfer in the Big 12? If we looked at teams in college football right now, because he's going to want to play for a big school. Ego won't let him play for a smaller school, which is a problem at times. Would he transfer to Clemson? Beat out DJU? I doubt it. Would you transfer to Florida State? They kind of suck, but hey, you could be the quarterback of a rebuilding a giant, I guess. I already talked about Miami? Would he transfer, like, Texas Tech? Do the reverse Baker Mayfield. Go to Texas Tech. I don't know. Would do he go to somewhere in the Big Ten? Would he go to Iowa? I mean, he got Spencer Peters there, so I don't know if he's <laughs> Spencer Peters. <laughs> lose that job. Spencer Peters too good to lose that job. Would he transfer to Nebraska? Ohio State? Will he transfer there? No, because CJ Stroud's there. Transfer to Penn State? Uh, no, they got Sean Clifford. But I, Is Sean Clifford done after this year? Feels like he's been in college forever. I mean, we didn't really see him a lot last year because he got benched multiple times last year. But regardless, 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 would he transfer to Liberty, Notre Dame? I don't know. Would he transfer to those places? What about a Sun Belt school? Would he transfer to Louisiana? That'd be kind of fun. Would he transfer to Mississippi State? Play for Mike Leach. Would he transfer to Ole Miss? Play for Lane Kiffin. Replace Matt Corral. A A&M? and and M's got a young quarterback room. Play one year there. Move on. Go to the NFL after that. Transfer to Georgia. They get quarterbacks all the freaking time there. But Kirby Smart's not great at developing them, so I don't know if you'd want to go there. Florida. Dan Mullen's pretty likable when it comes to quarterbacks, so maybe you go to him. LSU. <laughs> go there. Play. Joe Burrow did really well after transferring there. Maybe you can do the same thing. Bama. No, Bryce Young's there. Pac-12. USC. UCLA? I I don't know. All these schools are so cool. Oregon? Colorado? If I were doing my NCAA STEM, I'd recommend you go there, but that Colorado is a completely different one than the real Colorado. (laughs) Boise State? When he transfer to anyone in the MAC, like Buffalo? Who the hell knows? All we know is that Spencer Rattler ain't playing another down for Oklahoma unless it's a garbage time or Caleb Williams gets hurt. At least that's how it should be. And I'm really, really happy that Lincoln Riley didn't toy with this. I'm glad he made a decision and didn't go, okay, we're going to play both quarterbacks. Because remember when Urban Meyer was at Ohio State and they had the whole drama between Cardell Jones, Braxton Miller, and JT Barrett? And they rotated Barrett and uh, Cardell and moved Braxton Miller to wide receiver, mostly because his shoulder was bad. But remember that? They just toyed with that every single game. Miami did that for times a little bit ago when the Cozy Perry, Williams, and sometimes randomly with Tate Martell. When does that ever really work? Michigan a few years ago with Tate Forcier and Denard Robinson. Now Robinson ended up winning the job and became one of the Michigan's 21st century legends. Tate Forcier. I like Tate Forcier. But uh, I wouldn't consider him a legend of <laughs> Michigan. For a little bit, it looked like he would be considered a legend. And then uh, they went 5-7. They went like 4-0 and oh, their first games of the season and then went 5-7 the rest of the year. I think they played Iowa at Kinnick at night and came in 4-1 and one or something. But like, this is what I like to see. Name a starting quarterback and stick with it. Don't go, oh, well, we'll rotate them and we'll figure it out after this game. No, you saw an insane comeback against your biggest rival. You're playing Caleb Williams, and that's what Lincoln Riley did. That's perfect. You can't just keep rotating or toying with these guys because it's not going to work. You're going to destroy someone's confidence. You're going to piss one of them off. Like Caleb Williams, after having a game like he did against Texas, and you're still thinking of starting Spencer Rattler, he's rightfully going to get pissed off. And he's going to transfer. Florida's got kind of a situation like that on their hands between Emory Jones and Richardson. There are some people talking about Richardson transferring, and he's talked about that he's not transferring right now, but who knows, he might have the starting job next week. Or in two weeks, They, they have a bye week. So they'll figure it out after the bye. Then they play Georgia. So time will tell on Florida's quarterback situation, but you can't toy with that stuff. You just got to go with one, stick with it. It rarely works to do a two-quarterback system. Rarely. There's odd cases, yeah. I guess the Winnipeg Blue Bombers won the championship in the CFL, won the Grey Cup, in the, uh, not the Stanley Cup, Canadian Football League, with a rotating quarterback system. But again, that does always work, and that's Canadian football. So does it really count in the first place? And I like that that just randomly came to me. (laughs) Talk about the Canadian Football League on the Logan Blackman Show. There was a random time I liked the Canadian Football League. Calgary Stampeders was my go-to team because Drew Tate was there. And they probably had the best quarterback in the Canadian Football League, Bo Levi Mitchell. Bo Mitchell. Something Mitchell. What's his name? Now i got to look this up. Calgary Stampeders. They keep popping up with Calgary Stampede, and I don't know why that always pops up. He's number 19, and he wears a glove on his throwing hand, which has always weirded me out. Bo Levi Mitchell. So I had the Bo—it was Bo Levi Mitchell. Because my mind, when I was saying that out loud, I thought I was going to say Bo Levi Wallace, who was the quarterback of Ole Miss for a few years. That was wrong. I was like, that doesn't sound right. I'm thinking of Bo Levi Wallace. Bo Mitchell, and it was Bo Levi Mitchell. So I'm, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. But yeah, Rattler's not starting again in Oklahoma. And he's not on the top ten. He's in the others category because I think he's still really talented. But he ain't going to the NFL this year. But we have a do, we do have, that being said, a new number one in this list. And that's. It's been. I don't know. It's been a pretty much two quarterback race or two horse race for this draft. I would not be surprised whatsoever if only two quarterbacks win the first round here. We talked about the EJ Manuel draft. A few times, and ironically enough, Geno Smith, who was, I think, the second quarterback taken in that draft, but he was a second-round pick. He started for the Seahawks on Sunday Night Football. Seahawks lost to the Steelers, yada, yada, yada. But E.J. Manuel was the only quarterback taken in the first round by the Buffalo Bills. He was taken at 16. I think we might be getting to a similar situation here. And I think there might be only two that get taken. I think it's Matt Corral and Malik Willis. At this point, based off recent performances, I think you have to move Matt Corral up to number one this pains me to say it but Matt Corral's been arguably the best quarterback of college football this season one of the favorites to win the Heisman Trophy If Malik Willis was still at Auburn in doing this then I we would consider him for the Heisman Trophy the fact he's at Liberty makes it damn near impossible for him to win the Heisman Trophy especially when you're not playing anybody that great but we'll get to Malik Willis in a little bit Matt Corral this got announced uh when was this Tuesday Monday or Tuesday of he might not play. It was Monday. He might not play against LSU because he's getting beat up this year. This dude's running the ball with reckless abandon all the time, and part of me loves it. I love the the stretch Matt Corral has taken this year as opposed to last year, where last year you saw a lot of mental mistakes, lapses in judgment, two games where he throws 11 interceptions, six against Arkansas, five against LSU, or whatever. Flip them around if it's right. I don't know which one exactly is right, but in this game against Tennessee. Which we knew was going to be an offensive match. But, I mean, Ole Miss just gave up 600 yards to Arkansas. So, it was going to be a high-intensive, high-octane game. Tennessee's offense has been getting hot recently. It was in Nash- Knoxville. That's – is it Knoxville? Knoxville, Tennessee? There's Knoxville, Iowa. The best racetrack in the world. But, that's beside, I think it's Knoxville, Tennessee is where they play. But in the game, Matt Corral, decent game passing. Nothing spectacular. Just over 50% passing in the game. 20, 231 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. First interception of the season for Matt Corral. But where it gets crazy is that he ran it 30 times for 195 yards. At one point, he had 200 yards. I remember seeing that. And then after the game, was 195. Like, dude, that is well over his career high, which we had what he had last year. He had 158 yards rushing against LSU. The game, he threw five interceptions, or six. Again, can't remember. And in the past two weeks, Corral has rushed for 289 yards on 45 attempts. He is running the ball all over the place, and I would not be shocked whatsoever if he didn't actually play against LSU. I know it's probably just some mind games Lane Kiffin's trying to play here that, oh, Matt Corral might not play, but I think there's also some truth to it because he's just getting beat up. Like The game against Alabama, their run game got taken away. Jerry Ealy couldn't really do anything, so they had to pass it, and, jeez, Ole misses is off the line, did little to nothing, and Matt Corral got hit a lot. In that game against Arkansas, he cut a flying knee to the face. Against Tennessee, he ran the ball thirty freaking times. He got beat up and might actually need a week off to recover because he might die at the end of the year. And this effort that he's putting forth this year is very desirable for these upcoming drafts or for the upcoming draft. And then you look at how mobile he is and how much he's been running. The way the NFL is working, you want a quick twitched arm, quick twitched athlete who is athletic and can make every throw on the field. And Matt Corral does all of those things. Matt Corral is an absolute hose for an arm. He can make every throw on the field. He can tour his body to make throws. He's proving he's an athlete, and he's improved on his leadership as well. He's been one of the best leaders out of the quarterbacks in college football this season. You saw the game, especially against Louisville, the first game of the season, without a head coach. Who was the vocal leader for the team? Who didn't have a head coach. Lane Kiffin didn't even name a head coach for that week. Might as well just name Matt Corral the head coach. Because he was everywhere on the sideline, yelling at everybody, hyping everybody up. That's what I wanted to see for Matt Kraut at the start of the season, and now we're getting it, and now he's at number one in the rankings. And if you look at the, the his progression throughout the season, started preseason eight, then went up to six, then five, then four, then three, then two, and then two again week six, and then this week, week seven, he is number one. And I when I was with Ryan, with my friend Ryan on Saturday at Smash Park, we talked about this about who's the best quarterback in the draft. He said Matt Corral still on Malik Willis. This was before the Tennessee game and the Liberty game finished, or the, the Ole Miss and Liberty game finished. So I didn't know what was going on, really. I was seeing some of it, but then we saw what happened. And this week, I think there was too much to not have Matt Corral at number one for this, based off this week's performance. I have no doubt that Malik Willis could go back up to number one because I still think Malik Willis' skill set is unique. And his skill set is unmatched at any quarterback in this draft class. But but there's a big but. This week against Louisiana Monroe was not great. Like he had decent stat line if you don't look at the turnovers. I mean, 135 yard passing shirt. Sure, didn't complete a high percentage of passes, had one touchdown, 157 yards rushing, and two touchdowns. But he threw three interceptions. And not only did he throw three interceptions, it was three interceptions against a team, they were favored by thirty two and a half points. Now, that might seem like a lot, especially for a road team. But when you have a quarterback like Malik Willis and how good Liberty's defense has been this year, you kind of do expect them to brush past some of these teams. And then when you not only did not cover, which there was a big ask anyways to win by 33 points, you lost. And you allowed 31 points in the process. You lost 31 to 28. In the past two weeks, Malik Willis has thrown six interceptions. He had not thrown a single interception the weeks prior. And now he's thrown six in two weeks. I think, again, Malik Willis will make himself back up to number one. But, again, based off the previous weeks, the past two weeks, we can't have him at number one. I think his skill set's better than Matt Corral, but Matt Corral is playing better than Malik Willis. And they're playing North Texas this week. I haven't seen what the line is for that game. I'll have to look at that real quick because I haven't seen it. I knew they were playing North Texas (laughs) because I filled out the thing. Liberty is favored by 21 and a half. This is a 1-5 North Texas team that has gotten killed every single game this season. (laughs) So, yeah, maybe 21 and a half is fine. But, yeah, you can't lose games of your favorite by 32 and a half. That's not great, especially when you throw six interceptions two weeks. But he will be back at number one eventually, I believe. I believe it. Number three is Desmond Ritter. They had a big week. This week against UCF, they were favored by 21, and they dismantled UCF fairly easily. Ritter didn't have to do a whole lot. Similarly so to the game against Temple, didn't really need to do a whole lot of that, and he just was consistent. Didn't need to throw a lot of passes. 23 passes, Complete 13 of them for 104 yards passing, a touchdown, no turnovers, 14 yards rushing. Good, good game. Nothing really much you could say about. It. it was just a good game. He keeps his spot at number three. Number four, oh, and Cincinnati's playing at Navy this week, so we'll see how that one goes. Number four is still Carson Strong. Not surprising. I mean, Carson Strong had himself a very nice game. In regards to yards, 295... 395 yards passing, excuse me, against Hawaii. And going into this game, I think we talked about this last week. I know I put it in the my reasoning. Hawaii did make me nervous. Not necessarily in the fact that I thought they would just destroy Carson Strong. I thought Hawaii would win the game and all that stuff. But they did make Jake Hayner's life pretty rough. They made Jake Hayner throw three interceptions. Who I think had two... Prior to that game, Carson Strong has three in the season so far. Didn't throw, a, didn't throw a turnover, didn't throw an interception this game, but there was just part of me that thought it could happen. I'm not saying it was like nailed on going to happen, but I was kind of nervous about that. Now, he did throw 54 passes, so it's kind of expected that you get somewhere close to 400 yards. Didn't run the ball well. I mean, Carson Strong is not <laughs> the most fleet-footed athlete in college football, and I think if we're talking about draft stock, that might hurt him a little bit because then we're going in the same realm as what we did with Kyle Trask. Big dude can't really move. It drops the second round. the last pick of the second round. but I don't think I don't think that will happen. I think Carson Strong, if we're looking at draft stock, I think is better than Kyle Trask and I like Kyle Trask quite a bit. but right now, he stays at number four. I think Carson, Carson Strong is a very nice quarterback. And this week, they're playing at Fresno State. The guy we just brought up, Jake Hayner, is the quarterback of Fresno State. That'll be very, very fun. And it's actually a decent start time. It's 6 o'clock Central Time for Watch a Mountain West game. This game's usually start at 9 o'clock. So if you want to watch two good quarterbacks battle it out, I would highly recommend you watch Fresno State versus Nevada 6 o'clock on FS2, I believe it's on. But that'll be very fun. Very, very fun game. Next one on your number five is still Sam Howell. I mean, we're sitting. Other than the switch up at 1-2, and the rest of the list has kind of been straightforward so far. How not consistent passing, which has been kind of weird. He's been kind of off this season passing the ball, running the ball. He's been insane. Almost had 100 yards again this season. That would have been his fourth 100-yard game of the season. But in games that they've had this year, like against Georgia Tech, like against Florida State, like Virginia Tech, more so with Virginia Tech and Florida State, the Georgia Tech, He's looked off, looked very off passing the ball. He, I don't know what it is. I don't. I. I can't keep blaming it on the new weapons they have because they played almost a half season together, or they have played over a half season together. But he just doesn't. I mean, running the ball he looks good, showing off his athleticism. We all know he's got a very strong arm. We knew we went into the season saying he was a very underrated athlete. And now he's showing that off, rushing for four or almost four hundred yard games, had ninety eight yards rushing and two touchdowns this game. It was a shootout. 45 to 42 was the final over Miami. This week, they're on a bye, so I hope they get some things sorted out there. Because I really like Sam Howell, but at this point, I can't put him much higher than five. And number six is sneaking up on him rather fast, and that's Kenny Pickett, who has been one of the best quarterbacks in college football regardless. You look at the touchdowns he has to interceptions 21 touchdowns to one interception this season. 21 to one. And they, they're in the ACC, pit. And they're playing similar teams. That Sam Howell is playing. And Kenny Pickett's looked better against these teams. Like Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech in particular. Pitt has handled them with relative ease. Now they're playing Clemson this week. So that'll be a lot of fun to watch. Now they did struggle against Western Michigan. Somehow they lost that game. If you look at their form recently, they've won every game by double digits. So that was kind of surprising they lost to Western Michigan. But on the road at Georgia Tech, on the road at Virginia Tech, won both games. Fairly easily. The offense looked really good in both of them. Can Pickett pick this week? Not his you know, greatest performance, like if we're talking about efficiency, but still a good performance. 203 yards, two touchdowns, 30 yards rushing and a touchdown there, no turnovers. 21 touchdowns and one interception. His career high of touchdowns was 13 going into the season. He has 21 through seven games. That's crazy. And Kenny Pickett is only going to keep rising. I don't think he'll drop anytime soon unless he has an absolute horror show against Clemson this week. Then he played Miami, Duke, North Carolina, Virginia, and Syracuse. It's going to be fun. And most of those games are at home. Four of those six games are at home. So we might be seeing some more Kenny Pickett and see him rise up the draft boards. And that game against North Carolina is on my birthday at 6.30. Now it's a Thursday on ESPN. That'll be big, could be big, For a draft stop, but Kenny Pickett's looked really, really good. Surprised me, and I'm assuming a lot of people, with how good he has been this season. Uh, Number seven is Dorian Thompson-Robinson. I think this season, this was his best game. If you look at how efficient he was passing the ball, 21-26, 183, two touchdowns, no turnovers. He also had 87 yards rushing and a touchdown in that game as well. We talked about it on Wednesday last week. That this game against Washington might be a very run-heavy game. You had Zach Charbonnet rushing for over 100 yards. I think they had over 300 yards in total. Uh, 237 yards rushing. I was I was getting the Florida game mixed up again. That can't, The game will never leave my head. But at DTR, 87 runs, 87 yards. Charbonnet, 131 yards rushing in his name. Ran the ball well. Beat Washington. Though they've struggled this year, it's still a tough place to play. And yeah, he deserved to move up a place. And Now he's got 13 touchdowns, 2 picks on the season. 329 yards rushing, five touchdowns there, and now they're playing the 10th-rate Ducks at the Rose Bowl. And with the way the Ducks have been playing recently, I would not be surprised if UCLA pulled out an upset here. I don't know if they're favored or underdogs or whatever, but Oregon's coming off games against Stanford and Cal where they haven't looked great. They haven't looked great. They lost to Stanford and came close to losing against a now 1-5 Cal team, but we talked about that. Cal's very unfortunate to be one in five, but you are what your record says you are, and they're one in five, and they lost the Ducks. But at the Rose Bowl, maybe UCLA could pull out the upset. They are favored, actually, huh? So they're not, it's not upset. <laughs> they're two-point favorites. Wow, that's kind of surprising. Top ten teams on not favored against an unranked team. Very surprising. Number eight. Speaking of Stanford, Tanner McKee uh, had a good game against Washington State, though a fumble cost. I don't know if you can really say cost Stanford the game. But he got sacked late and dropped the ball. And Washington State recovered and ended up stealing the game. But 273 yards, two touchdowns, 12 yards rushing, and a touchdown there as well. Lost 34-31. He didn't fumble in the red zone or anything. He fumbled on the opposite side of the 50 with, like, 17 seconds left, which is not ideal. That fumble completely eliminates the process or the the potential of having a game-winning touchdown or a game-tying field goal. But it wasn't like it was – in the red zone or anything he tried to step up stepped in between two defenders not not a great step up but still played well if you look at the stats he had a pretty decent game so yeah we'll move him up to number 8 number 9 is Jaden Daniels and the main reason why he dropped down two spots is just because how nothing they were in the second half in regards to a team as Arizona State they were 21-7 at halftime lost 35-21 to they didn't score a single point in the second half they, they looked like they went into the game going okay this game's a half. It was two quarters. And we're done. Looked really good in the first half. And they did absolutely nothing in the second half. They had four drives in the second half. They punted twice, missed a field goal. And then what happened at the very end of the game? I think it was like an interception or something. I thought I wrote it down. I guess not. But yeah, Jane Daniels looked good in the first half. Had a very pretty efficient game. Two touchdowns on the game. He's yet to throw back-to-back games with a touchdown. of six touchdowns. All six of them come in three games they weren't in a row. (laughs) They were all separated. So I'm wanting him to get improved in regards to finding the end zone through the air. He's passing it a lot better. As compared to last year and the year before, he's a lot more efficient passer. Running the ball, we already knew. He was a very good runner. Going into this game, going into the season, we knew he was going to run the ball very, very well. Just needed to be a little more efficient as a passer. He's done that. Just need him to find the end zone a little bit more and can't have just completely nothingness in the second half. And then number 10... This is similar to last week with McKee coming in the top 10. There was nothing really this weekend that was like, oh yeah, that guy needs to be in the top 10. This guy played so well. We got to put him in. It was more of a fact that everybody that was in the others list kind of sucked or didn't play. So it was kind of a tough choice here. But we went with Jake Hainer, the quarterback from Fresno State. Uh, 96 yards passing, two touchdowns, 12 carries, no touchdowns, no turnovers. That's great. On the season, 20 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. Again, like we said, 4 of those came against Hawaii. But, I mean, it was really nothing game against Wyoming. It was 17-0. 96, didn't even have 100 yards passing in the game. But, that being said, though he only had 96 yards passing, he still has the most passing yards at every quarterback on this list and is the third highest passing yards in the entire nation behind Brendan Armstrong and then Western Kentucky's quarterback. What's his name? Bailey Zappi or Zap, whatever you want, however you want to pronounce his name. He's looked really good this season. Apart from the game against Hawaii again, but he's looked really, really good this season. And I think he's well-deserving of a spot in the top ten, not based off last week. This is the lowest game he's had this season. Tanner McKee threw three interceptions last week against Arizona State and got caught in the top ten, mostly because everybody else didn't play well. And we didn't have anybody else that was there. He was number 11, so that's how he worked out. Jake Hayner was number 11. And now he's in the top 10 based off everybody else not really doing anything. But yeah, that's my top 10 in the others category. We have Malik Cunningham still there. He was on a bye. Will Levis from Kentucky is newer. Will Levi's, however you want to pronounce his name. I don't care. Had a good game against the number one ranked team in the, D- in the nation, Georgia, comparatively to what other people have did. Now for the amount of pass he thrown versus how many yards, not a lot. 32 passes completed, 42 attempts, one hundred ninety two yards, 2 touchdowns, also had 12 carries, but didn't get it in the end zone there. He has 13 touchdowns, 6 interceptions on the season, with also 175 yards rushing and 3 touchdowns there. Also on this list is T- Grayson McCall from Coast Carolina. He has not played this past week, but he's had a very nice season, 14 touchdowns, 1 interception to his name this year. Spencer Rattler still in the others list. Didn't play, but I think he's still talented, so we have to at least mention him on there. And then Keaton Slovis, we have him back on there. So we took out Emery Jones, who might be benched, and... JT Daniels who just doesn't play regardless if it's injury or Stetson Bennett's just better because remember Stetson Bennett has a better arm and is more mobile than JT Daniels so that's how that's how that worked out but yeah that's all I've got for you today at least I believe unless I'm forgetting something extremely important I think that's all I've got yeah I think that's all we got for you on this Wednesday edition of Logan Blackman Show I hope you enjoyed the show if you did not I can only apologize that you I promise the next show will be better. <laughs> I promise that the next show will be better. And same with the Bills. They'll have a bye week this week. They'll bounce back and do a lot better. And same with Iowa. I think Iowa's got a bye week this week as well. So I don't know what I'm going to do with myself this week. And none of my teams play. Bills don't play. Hawkeyes don't play. and You I plays. They play South Dakota State. So I'll be tuning into that. So that'll be a lot of fun. But with that being said, I will see you all later. Have a good Wednesday and peace.